Amen. If you have your Bible, if you want to follow along a little bit, if you turn to page 2040, which is where you find 1 John chapter 4, or may not be that exact number for you. Verse 1. It says, Beloved, don't believe every spirit. That will conclude our service. <laughs> yeah. uh, not every spirit's of God. <laughs> so don't believe all of them. Huh? You know, they like to they like to do Halloween year round and they'll dress up differently and disguise themselves. <clears throat> they'll come through familiar faces and voices. <clears throat> but we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, do we? But he says, uh, don't believe every spirit, but try the spirit, whether they are God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. How hereby I know you know the Spirit of God. Here's how you'll know. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Just ask a demon that sometime. See how he'll answer you. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist whereof you have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. But you are of God. Little children. You are of God. Started off saying, don't believe every spirit. But it says here, but we're of God. And you have overcome them, these other spirits. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Isn't it good to know in the middle of a fight that you've already overcome them? Because you can forget that because of the fight. Hmm? If you forget it, you know what you'll be doing? Fighting. But you'll be fighting for an outcome instead of, instead of coming from an outcome. They're of the world. They speak of the world. And the world hears them. But we're a God. And he that knoweth God heareth us. And he's not a God, doesn't hear us. That's, that's real hard to understand, ain't it? <laughs> you, ever, you ever minister to someone that just looked at you? Like, what? Hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Here's how we can know. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not doesn't know God, for God's love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Here's, here it is. It's not that we love God, but that he loved us. How do we know? Well, he sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. 
If we love one another, God dwells in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. We have seen, and we do testify, that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwells in him, and he in God. Anyone here tonight confess that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, it wouldn't be too hard to find God in you. We wouldn't have to search very long, would we? Anyone who confesses that, God's on the scene. Amen. Verse 16, and now we've known and we believe this love that God hath to us. God is love. Sometimes people think God has a dual nature. And they say, well, it's, it can come across as evil or vindictive or uh, a payback, but really it's motivated in love. That God is really just doing this to you because he loves you. And when he gets through working on your head, gets through challenging you, gets through putting you through, t t uh, you know, trial after trial after trial, and works all the kinks out of you. And right before you take your last breath, he'll catch you up. Well, he said, uh, but we know and believe the love of God he has towards us because he's love. And he that dwelleth in God is dwelling in this love and God in him. Now, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. See, our love is perfected not by the, the testing, but that we may have boldness because of his love in a time of hard times or judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Because perfect love casts out fear. Fear carries torment. But he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. He said, well, I found God. Actually, you never found him at all. He found you. Mm -hmm. He said, I went looking for God. No. He, he, he first came looking for you. Isn't that right? So sometimes we ask one another, nothing wrong with this, we'll say, well, how are you? Well, the better question would be, I guess, you know, and you have to be with people who knows what you're talking about. Verse 17, B part, says, as he is, so are we in this world. Well, how are you? Oh, well, how's he? Get really quiet in here. Smith Wigglesworth would have loved that statement if you said it that way. Well, Smith, how are you feeling? He says, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I never ask my body how it feels. I tell it how it feels. I tell it how it feels. And uh, sometimes that's easier said than done, but it's still possible. I said it's still possible. Now, uh, Smith preached sick for five years. That sounded like a long time to me. Now, his main problem was he had kidney stones. And thing is, he wasn't willing to, he made a vow to God, it's his thing. He said, no knife will ever touch this body. So some said, why don't you cut him out? He said, no knife will touch this body, the body belongs to God, and I'll, I'll just believe God. Well, he went through some things now. So he wore diapers many times, they said, on stage because of 
passing blood. And a few times he passed out and had taken him back to his hotel room. Now, I don't know. I, I have had kidney stones once. And, uh, and they said in five years he passed hundreds of stones. Amen. So, you know, it's, it's real. Uh, it's, it's one thing to say we just don't pay attention. But here he said the way that I am is the way God is. Because as he is, so are we right now in this world. So how do we identify? Now this is a higher level to come to. Can you see that? This is a, a greater level of faith to live in. Where you live out of identification through, through substitution. So you have to go find out who you are, what you know, what you can do, and how well you're doing through the word. There's, there's, there's two identities to ask. One, that's, we're talking about the spirit man, which is the real you. And the spirit person of you is not from this world, didn't come from this world. You was born at whatever date you was born, whatever city or state, maybe here, I don't know. But, but your spirit is not from this world. Your flesh is. And so your flesh might have been born in Alabama. But your spirit <clears throat> did not originate out of Alabama. Just as the Holy Ghost moved over Mary when she said, I believe what you're saying. I don't know how this is going to happen. How can this be? I know not a man. And the Holy, Holy Spirit overshadowed her and impregnated her with the word. And the word came from her, right? As soon as you was born again, when you said yes to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you was impregnated the same way. You was born a spirit, a spirit being. And the spirit being is not from the place that you was born on your birth certificate. You're born straight out of heaven. You're born straight out of God. Amen. Jesus said many times, they questioned him. That they said, who's the father? Who are you and where did you come from? He said, I'm not of this world. You know, it's one thing to say, I'm not, I'm not from around here. Or I grew up far away. <clears throat> but Jesus said, I'm not even of this world. Well, truthfully, you're not. Truthfully, you're not of this world. And actually, the Christian inhabits two worlds at one time. Now, if I have to appeal to the intellectual part of you, and a lot of us, a lot of smart people here, you might say, well, I, I don't really understand that. Well, I really don't either. So I have to do it by the Spirit. How can I be in two places at one time? Well, physically, you are here on this earth. Your flesh, your body makes you a resident of this world. But your spirit is the only reason why, you're, why your body's still here. We know when the spirit's gone, the flesh checks out. Right? It's the spirit that gives life to the flesh. Flesh has never birthed a spirit. I don't think I've ever said that in my life, but did I say it right? Yeah, the flesh has never birthed a spirit. But the spirit can birth forth a flesh and give it a life on the earth. So when I have something wrong in my emotions or my physical being, since the spirit didn't, uh, since the flesh never gave birth to the spirit, how could I, with my flesh, fix a spirit problem? Couldn't do that, really. It would have to be of the spirit. 
and the spirit which just houses the spirit is housed in this tabernacle in this body it's the spirit that fixes or heals or sets free delivers us in the emotional realm of the physical realm no matter what it is amen and one day when we're through we'll be through and the flesh will do what it does and it'll lay in the grave and it'll it'll turn back to dust but you'll never be there amen death will never touch you your body your, the real you would just release from that tent and just go to be with the lord immediately very young very attractive amen never needing rest get to eat amen if it hadn't he'd, it would have been okay but Apparently the Lord thought it would be a good thing. Maybe he likes to eat, so he wanted you to be able to eat. Amen. No one counting calories. No Weight Watchers in heaven. Amen. No, uh, what's that other one that's so popular that uh, Marie Osmond does the, who? Yeah, I had a friend, well, we knew of someone, a friend of a friend, and he's a pastor. And um, and. Uh, friend asked him, he says, and I, I, we were standing there, Michelle and I was standing there, and he says, well, how long have you been on that neutral system? Now, this is just him. I'm not saying pro against it. He just says, about three months. He said, you lost much weight? He says, a little bit. He said, is the food good? He said, tastes like the box. <laughs> he said, the pictures on the box look really good, but the food tastes like the box. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm just saying, in heaven, that will never be so. So we're on the earth, but you have to have a spirit being to be on earth. And if we're going to be on earth, he wants you to be as he is. So the question is not how are you, or we could say how are you, how are you, how are you, how are you, how are you. I, I know sometimes we just say that as a, as a way of, you know, uh, greeting someone. But if you really want to know how someone is, if we really understand who we are, we would say I am this way according to this well how you been feeling well i feel the way any person would feel that's believing god you say how are you gonna have a real conversation with someone like that well well well, 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 well I, I understand what you're saying and i'm not trying to you know do something weird uh, there's nothing wrong with answering people and if you go to, if you go to the doctor don't don't do that i mean talk to them i mean you you can't go to the dentist with abscess tooth and he says what's the matter what's the problem you say nothing Right, you need, you need to tell them what the situation is because you're dealing with a natural thing in a natural environment and you need to have a natural answer. Amen. So some say, well, years ago, I've had this many times through the years and probably some of your friends have asked you, well, should I just believe God or should I go to the doctor? I said, you should believe God whether you don't go to the doctor and if you go to the doctor, you're dear God, you better believe God. Hmm? Uh, yeah, I mean, just going... To the, to the medical world doesn't fix everything. Amen. Sometimes they do more damage than they do good. And they get paid irregardless. So don't go without your faith. Go with your faith. Right? So how, so how are you? Well, how's Jesus? Well, he's doing pretty good, I think, don't you? As he is. Verse 17, be part. As he is, so are we. Where? In this world. So you didn't say the way we'll be one day in heaven. It says, as he is, so are we right now in this world. Well, as he is, someone said, well, does that mean when he was on the earth, or does that mean in heaven? 
Well, I think it probably could be both. But how was he in the world? Well, when he was in the world, did he overcome? He did, didn't he? Did he have trials like you had? Well, he had worse trials than we did, right? Anyone here been crucified and came back? No. So he had a lot more trials. But did he have victory over every situation? He even said one time, the prince of this earth is coming. He said, no big deal. He ain't got no power over me. Right? Well, so whatever could be said about him in, those, in, that, in that way could be said about you. So how, how is Jesus? Well, he's doing great. Well, how are you? Well, I'm doing great. Well, now, I don't know if I'm doing great because I don't feel that good. No, I didn't ask you how you was. I asked you how, how you are in Jesus. See, that forces you to identify with him. Right? Now go to uh, uh, Galatians, if you will, chapter 2. Praise God. Well, let's see if we can start with verse uh, Well, let's just go to verse all the way 20, I guess. Paul said, through this identification, he said, I am crucified with Christ. Where was Paul? Well, he was crucified at the end of his life. But at the time of making the statement, had Paul been crucified? No. Why, why would the man say he's been crucified if he hadn't been crucified? Wouldn't that just be a, wouldn't that be a lie? Well, it, it'd be a lie in the sense of natural way of thinking. But, but, but he's not talking about naturally. He's, he's talking about things of the spirit, right? So he's identifying himself with what Christ did for him. So he's saying, as he was, as it went with him, he did it for me. He did it in a divine exchange. So when he, it, when he did it, laid it to my credit, it was as if I did it. So therefore, since he was crucified, he said, I was crucified. Well, is Christ alive? Yes. Yeah. So he says, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh. Now can we see what he's talking about? Can you see him talking about two things here? He's talking about the spirit and the flesh. So he says, he says uh, I, I was crucified with Christ, which means I died with Christ. But, but yet you can see that I'm standing here in front of you. I'm alive. But Christ liveth in me. And because you can see me standing here in front of you live, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, some translations say it differently, but the correct one is this. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, we have faith in the Son of God, but the correct in the, in the Greek is we live by the faith of we, see, we are, we are living of his faith. We have faith in him, but we don't, we're not living just in the faith in him. We're living of his faith. In other words, after I teach you to drive and, you know, we taught forward to drive and help forward get cars. Well, after they learned how to drive and got cars, they didn't need me to drive, and they didn't always drive my car. They drove their car. Well, after he gives you his faith to live by, you can live by his faith because his faith has been proven. His faith has been tested. His faith has been tried. His faith has overcome the greatest. 
I don't know anything greater than, than, than coming up from the grave. You're not just grave. We're talking about hell. Three days and being risen from the dead in hell with all the opposition of hell. And he says, it took the faith and the operation, the faith to do that. And it took the Holy Spirit to do it. And I'm giving all that to you. So how is, how is Christ tonight? Well, how are you? I'm, I'm as he is. Can you see that? So to mention anything else, we have to go back to our flesh. And we have to say, well, uh, you know, I, I, I got, uh, oh my. Hmm? We have to go back to this other guy here. Well, there, there was always two. But when you was born again, a miracle took place. And, and the person that you were, the spirit that you were, died. The old you died, but the old spirit died. Spiritual death died in you. And a new miracle took place in the, the Holy Spirit, which is of God, born of God, born of love. You're born of that spirit. So, which took you totally out of the realm of this flesh or out, out of this world. You're just not from here. You're here, but you're just not from here. Amen. And if we're the generation that's alive, when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a lot of people missing. And it would be cool to find out how CNN plays that one that night. Well, they're, they're, they went on a retreat. Yeah, it's a big one. <laughs> you can just, I know you've thought about before all the things that's going to happen. Taxis, cabs ready, and people in the back seat ain't ready maybe. Driver's gone, car's moving. What if you're in an airplane? I guess you better hope the co-pilot don't know Jesus. Because <laughs> something's about to happen, ain't it? Well, you could just imagine the, the calamity that's going to take place in a matter of seconds or minutes with a lot of people that's, uh, leave, that leaves the earth in, just like that. So... <clears throat> uh, the uh, Amplifier said, I've been crucified with Christ in him. I have shared his crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ the Messiah. He lives in me. That gives you, a, well, if Christ lives in you, then his faith lives in you. That means you ought to have living faith, not just faith in God. Well, I believe God can do miracles. That doesn't mean nothing. Well, I believe God can heal anything. That doesn't mean, that means nothing. I believe God can supply all my needs. You ain't said nothing yet. Hmm? I believe the mob can kill you if they want to. Because they, they do kill people, right? I believe a drug dealer could hook you up with some drugs. Well, the same thing as saying I believe God can heal. If you can make a person out of dirt, certainly you can fix one. I mean, if you can take some dirt, scoop it up, and say, man, woman, I, certainly you can know how to fix a gallbladder. Don't you think? I don't think it'd be no struggle to it, do you? So where's the struggle? Right here. Because we are, what are we dealing with? We're identifying with this body. We're identifying, we're identifying with our emotions. We're identifying with, well, I don't know anyone who ever believed in God this. It's funny how we start keeping a list of all the ones who believe, believe this and it didn't work out for them. 
Well, why don't you find the one that did and agree with them? And if you can't find anyone, just agree with God. Hmm? You know, agreeing with God puts you in God class. You ever flown? Y'all know the difference between first class and coach? It's a difference. Seats are different. Menu's different. If you go on a short flight, like from Birmingham to Atlanta or back from Atlanta to Birmingham, unless it's changed through the years, if you're in first class, you still get to uh, have some refreshments. If you're back there at the, on, the, on the coach, they're not going to be in there asking you what you want to drink because they don't have time to service everyone. It's only like a 25-minute flight, 30 minutes at the most. But if, you're in, but if you're in first class, sir, what do you want? I mean, you can get tomato juice, a Sprite, or a mixed drink if you wanted one, which you don't want one. But anyway, I'm just saying there's a difference between being in that class. Well, you're in the God class. You got the God class faith. Amen. Let me read you a little something, if you don't mind. Uh, you, you, you probably had the book. It's a book that uh, we was used, we was given. I talked about the other day at Rama. Matt, I was just thinking, gee, I was thinking, what's today, May 1st? May 20th, 1994. We walked down the aisle and got a diploma 25 years ago, and 18 more days. I remember y'all were young back then, I remember. Now, I hadn't changed any, but 25 years, but I, I remember y'all being young, like teenagers. Amen. What was you? You was 19 when you graduated, wasn't you? Because you hadn't had your birthday yet. Yeah, and I, I was a little bit older than that, but anyway, praise the Lord. So uh, we had a class that Keith Moore taught called Christ the Healer. And uh, most every class, she had a book assigned to it. And they used the book uh, Christ the Healer, F.F. Bosworth. Anyone ever read that book in here? Okay, good. It's a, it's a, it's a good read, uh, simple read. And he has a chapter in there called Appropriating Faith. And it won't take me just a few minutes. And then we gotta, we're going to break for a, a big party. Woo! Praise the Lord. Grace is having a birthday. I'll always remember Grace's birthday. She was born on a Sunday, wasn't she? Yeah. Your parents did come to church that night. Your mom said, I think I'm old time to have the baby and your dad says she I think we got some time and I said I, I don't want to tell you what to do but on my third child I thought I had time I got there with 30 minutes left if I was you had listened to my wife <laughs> well he had more time than I did <laughs> but it was good he didn't hang around amen all right so the, the chapter called Appropriate Faith says this way. It says, The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians tells us exactly how God works miracles. Anybody want to know that? He, God, therefore, now he's quoting Galatians 3, you don't have to turn there, 5 and 6. He, God, therefore, that ministers to you the Spirit. See, not the flesh, the Spirit. The Spirit is the miracle worker. And he works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? even as Abraham believed God. The Moffat translates this passage when he supply, he who supplies you with the Spirit and works of miracles among you, is it because you do what the law commands 
or because you believe the gospel message. Why, it is as with Abraham, he had faith. In this passage, God tells us that he works miracles upon our bodies in exactly the same way as upon our souls. It's by having us hear and believe the gospel message. In fact, God's way of doing everything is by first he makes a promise and then by fulfilling the promise wherever that promise produces faith. He says it is with us as with Abraham. How was it with Abraham? He simply believed the word of God. He had faith that God would do as he promised. He was preferably persuaded by the word of God alone. Then he held fast the beginning of his confidence when he was by faith tested. Then he was wholly occupied with the word in the matter. Next, he refused to cast away his confidence when God, by telling him to offer Isaac, was apparently removing the visible encouragement to his faith. We know from Romans 4, he considered not his own body or the fact that he was about 100 years old. He didn't look at the deadness of Sarah's womb or as any reason or any barrier for doubting that Isaac would be born. He's 100 years old. Sarah's always been barren. She's 90. He didn't look at either one of these as any reason or barrier why Isaac could not be born. These things, which according to nature makes the birth of Isaac impossible, were not considered by Abraham as the slightest reason for doubting. He weighed the difficulties, but notwithstanding the impossible, he disbelieved God. Under utter hopeless circumstances, by looking into the promise of God, he, Abraham, waxed strong in faith, becoming fully persuaded that God would fulfill his promise. Note well, it was by looking into the promise of God that Abraham waxed strong in faith. Everyone that looketh upon it, this is, uh, now he's quoting Numbers 21, where they looked upon the serpent, or the Israelites were complaining, and God sent fire serpents, and they began to bite him, and the, Moses cried out for him, and God says, you know, get this, and get a, uh, you know, take the gold, and melt it down, and make a, uh, it would be a simplifying, you know, in types and shadows out of, of Christ, but it was a, a brazen serpent. And then he told them they had to look at it and keep their eyes on it, stay focused on it. So he said, everyone that looketh upon the brazen serpent in, in Numbers 21.8, that was God's remedy and God's promise. Likewise, the condition God required for the healing of the dying Israelites, when coming to God for healing, be sure that this shall be your attitude because there's no healing promise except on this condition. When you base faith on improvement, you are affected by our symptoms. When we base faith on our improvement or are affected by our symptoms, by what we see or feel instead of by the word of God alone, just to that extent, ours is not real faith. To be occupied with what we see or feel is to be the exact reverse condition that God laid down for you to follow. Everyone that looketh upon it, the serpent shall live. Simply means that everyone who, like Abraham, occupies himself with God's promise so that he's no longer affected by symptoms shall recover. It means the word of God, not what we see or feel, shall be the basis of your faith. Our looking into the promise of God is a good reason for looking to God for mercy. Then there is no time to stop looking until God withdraws his word. Note that it was by look, continuing to look into the promise of God that Abraham experienced the miracle. To be occupied 
and influenced by symptoms instead of God's word is to question the very veracity of God. Instead of making God a liar, Jonah, within the fish, gave the name lying vanities to the symptoms and circumstances that seemed to stand in the way of expecting God's mercy. Realizing that it was symptoms and not God that was lying to him, he said, they, this is Jonah, inside of a whale, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Jonah's in the whale, inside of a whale, <laughs> three days a night, and he said his situation or symptoms is nothing but lying vanities. And the boy had a whale of a problem, right? He, Jonah went on to say, Many forsake, uh, God never refuses to give mercy, but many forsake their mercy by observing their symptoms. The symptoms are real, but they become lying vanities. Put this in anything, it's not just healing. Symptoms are real, but they become lying vanities when they say to us that God is not plenishing mercy to all that call, call upon him. Abraham's faith was not based on anything he saw. You must see to it that yours is not. All that Abraham could see was contrary to what he was expecting. After Isaac was born, Abraham had a prop for his faith. Through Isaac, now all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. With his eyes upon Isaac, with Abraham's eyes upon Isaac, the channel through which God was to fulfill the rest of the promise is easy to believe now. So God tested his faith by telling Abraham to offer Isaac to destroy the channel. This did not dawn Abraham. Real faith thrives on a test. Since he still had God's word for it, he was ready to remove any visible encouragement to his expectation and yet to be, continue to be fully persuaded. God had to halt him or he would have offered, offered to Isaac. This test was God's way of perfecting his faith, not destroying it. If after coming to God for healing, he finds you more encouraged by your improvement than by his word, he might find it necessary to test your faith. This is to teach you the glorious lesson of believing his word when every sense contradicts him. Faith has only to do with the word. In Hebrews 10, 35, 36, God says to all whose faith is based on his word, he says, don't cast away your confidence. It has great, you have a great recompense and reward. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Many act directly contrary to this. After being anointed and prayed for, instead of rejoicing in the promise, I have heard some say in disappointment, I thought, sure, I was going to be healed. I knew instantly that they'd never caught the idea of what faith is. The idea was to get well first and then to believe that God heard their prayer. If God's word were the sole reason for their expectation, they would have held fast the beginning of their confidence. It is never proper or reasonable to cast away your confidence as long as you have the word of God as its basis. It is promised that we shall be partakers only on the condition that we hold the beginning of your confidence steadfast. It's during the interim period between God's promise and its fulfillment instead of watching symptoms and casting away the confidence because he had nothing visible to encourage him. 
Abraham did exactly the reverse. By looking to the promise of God, he wavered not through unbelief. He waxed strong in faith, giving glory to God. After Jonah prayed for mercy from within the fish, he would not cast away his confidence because there, there was no visible proof that his prayer was heard. He still held fast his confidence and added to it in advance the sacrifice of thanksgiving. After marching around the walls of Jericho, Joshua and the children of Israel did not cast away their confidence because the walls of the city were still up. Their faith was based only on God's word. I have given into thy hand Jericho. If none of these cast away their confidence, why should you? Your state of mind should be the same as Noah's when he was building a ship on dry land. Noah was pitching, oh, I'm sorry, Noah was putting pitch into the cracks to keep the water out. In his mind, the fact of a coming flood was fully settled. And the word of God was the sole reason for the state of mind. Your state of mind should be the same as Abraham's. With him, the matter of Isaac being born, it was settled. Even though all the symptoms were to the contrary. God's word to you concerning your healing is just as clear and explicit as it was to Abraham. Almost three. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus tells us exactly the conditions that he requires for the appropriation of your blessing. He has promised. He says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That is, you shall have them after you believe he's heard your prayer. As Jesus said, I thank you, Father, that you have heard me while Lazarus was still dead. We should be able to say, I thank you that you have heard me while I am still sick. Or whatever the situation is. You shall have them. I mean, you know, that's, Lazarus was still in the tomb. He hadn't got out. And Jesus is thanking the Lord he heard him. Well, you shall have them as your answer from Jesus. It's also your proof that your prayer has been heard. To faith, the word of God is the voice of God. To faith, the word of God is the voice of God. Someone said, I never heard the word, I never heard the voice of God. Well, I know what you mean. But let me tell you, there's another way to hear the word of God, the voice of God. Speak it out loud. He has not promised us that our healing shall begin until after you believe that he's heard your prayer. If you ask anything according to his will, he hears us. First John 5. If this is true, then believe your prayer has been heard. When you pray, believe, believe, believe it's been heard. We must be able to say, we know we have the petition we desired of him. It's not because I see the answer, but because God is faithful who also do it. This is where everybody gets separated. Hmm? And I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. Huh? You know, sometimes people deal with more than just a sneeze. Or not you. <laughs> it's, you know, I just I keep on getting a picture of Jonah in the whale for three days and asking for mercy. And, you know, and nothing's happening for three days. And he just sitting there saying, me being in here just a bunch of lying vanities. 
How many know he was willing to go to Nineveh though afterwards? Yeah, <laughs> Nineveh was on his uh, to-do list. You know, top top uh, one place you ought to see before you die. Nineveh. Yeah, but man, I mean, no, it was on it was on Jonah's list. Nineveh, city I've always wanted to go to. Uh, so it's never proper to base your faith on improvement after prayer I've heard some say with great delight oh I'm so much better since I prayed for, since I was prayed for I know now I'll get well that just means that in the place of God's promise they have some other reason for expecting to get well there's no reason for faith as good as the word of God not you're feeling better. God did not send to you better feelings. He sent to you his word and healed you. Suppose as soon as I pray for a man healing that he, he could know he was 50% improved. The improvement in his condition is not near as good as a reason for knowing he will entirely recover as the promise of God. The promise of God is a better reason, even though after prayer he should become 50% worse. You ever prayed for anything and it got worse? Suppose you promise your child a certain thing and the next day you find that she is expecting exactly what you promised, but not because you promised it. She has some other reason for expecting it. This would grieve you. It would prove she didn't trust your word. See, it honors God to believe him, even while ever since contradicts him. He promises to honor those who honor him. God has promised to respond to the faith that, it produced by, that is produced by and rest in the word, his promise. Some expected to believe that they have been heard as soon as they feel better. Once again, he did not say, I sent better feelings to produce faith and then healed them. He said, I sent my word and healed them. God himself sent God's word. We did not worm it out of him. How absurd than to doubt. It is more rational to expect God to keep his promise than expect him to break it. Nothing can be more ridiculous or absurd than to allow symptoms or feelings to cause us to doubt the fulfillment of God's promise. Suppose your child, after being promised a new dress, would sprain her ankle, and she cast away her confidence for the dress because the ankle sprain was painful. You say to her, my dear child, I promised to get you a new dress. Can't you believe my word? She answers, but mother, my ankle still hurts. It doesn't feel a bit better. It seems to be getting worse. Well, how absurd is such reasoning? Now, if it's absurd to doubt one promise because of pain, then it's equally ridiculous to doubt any promise. Suppose again that after you promise her the new dress, she runs to the mirror to see if she looks any more dressed up. She then says, I can't see any difference. I don't look a bit better. And then gives, the, gives up the whole idea of having a new dress. To learn how to believe that God hears us when we pray is a much greater blessing than it is the healing itself. The prayer of faith can be repeated 10,000 times for ourselves and others. In this way, our whole life can be spent in obtaining the fulfillment of divine promises. We have seen how God experienced a miracle, and God says it is with us as with Abraham. In the same way, we also receive the fulfillment of God's promises who also walk in the steps of that faith, our father, father Abraham. That's called the Appropriating Faith, F.F. F. Bosworth, Christ the Healer book. It's a really good book. Amen.